Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Fantasy Baseball today on Thursday, July 18th. Welcome, everybody. What's going on? I'm Adam Azer. I'm going to put Scott White on the spot. Spot White to start the show. Are you ready, Scott, mm. on the spot? I always White. do so well on the spot, Adam. Yeah, I that know. is my strength. Spontaneity. Your favorite thing. Okay. How many players hit two home runs yesterday? Oh, this has become your favorite question. Yeah, well, we're getting a lot, a lot these days. Uh I'm gonna say five. You are incorrect. The answer is six. Now, how many can you name? Well, of course, there is Tyler O'Neill. He hit two. Right? No, he hit one. Uh, <laughs> I think he oh, hit one. Okay, zero for one. Zero for one. Uh, if I peeked at my notes, I could probably name a few. Nope. Let's see. Mark- spot, spot, t- Scott Teneity. Uh, well, I've spoiled it for myself now. You're All just right. gonna have to. You're just gonna have to name them. Okay, we have Trey Mancini. Snapped a slump. Let me see if I can name them. Trey Mancini, Teoscar Hernandez, Mark Canna, Jerickson Profar. Oh, Eduardo Escobar. And yeah, this... I think I'm forgetting one person. Who, uh... who am I forgetting? Double Dongs. Uh, Danny, Danny Santana. Santana. Of course. So interesting, Danny Santana. Well, we have a double I prefer session. Danny Santana, but I don't know how he feels about that. Okay. Either way, I think as long as he's playing, I'm sure he'll be fine with it. Well, anyway, welcome to the Thursday show, everybody. There was really a lot of action yesterday. We had a near-no-hitter in Miami with, uh, with the San Diego Padres and Chris Paddock. Mike Clevenger with a great start. I just offered up Fernando Tatis for Mike Clevenger. Let's see if that happens because I believe in Mike Clevenger. I believe that we will win if we have Mike Clevenger on our team. You Darvish was great. Chris Archer was Good, and uh, we'll get to all that. Scott, how about uh, who stood out to you in Wild Wednesday? I think the biggest standout is probably you, Darvish, what he's done now in back-to-back starts where the, the line is very similar and very excellent. Six innings, two hits in both of them. Seven Ks in this one, eight Ks last time. Zero walks in this one, one walk last time. And in fact, uh, over his past seven starts, he has a combined six walks. Now, my line on you, Darvish, all year is, you know what? The stuff still looks good. He's still missing a lot of bats. If he can get the walks under control, I think he can still dominate. And uh, uh, he hasn't dominated for this whole six-start stretch, but it's been much better in the last two, of course, been dominant. Joe Madden said... He, uh, he hasn't seen him with this much confidence in his fastball command before. You Darvish himself said, I don't need anything right now. It's perfect everything. Hmm. So uh, that's exciting. Very exciting. There's only one thing that you said that I don't really care about, and that's the three most insignificant words in fantasy baseball, which are, quote, Joe Madden said. Because Joe Madden pumps up his guys all the time. But it does. here's what it you does. Darvish said. I, I think Chris and Heath read this quote on yesterday's show. Darvish said this before yesterday's start. He said, quote, 
So last year, I had the elbow issue, and I was doing rehab for eight weeks. Most of the time, I'd feel the pain with the fastball. I would try to feel less pain with a different arm slot. That's why this year, the first eight weeks, I had a weird feeling for the fastball. I don't have any pain in the elbow, but I think my brain remembered that. So he's obviously working through yeah. something, and uh, I'm encouraged. I think he's the kind of guy, Scott, that can trick you a little bit. You know, it, it could look good, and then something goes awry because the last two starts he hasn't given up a home run. I mean, he only has six walks issued in his last seven starts. That's awesome. But he's avoided the long ball. He hasn't given up any runs in his last two starts. So, you know, I feel like you got to take a somewhat cautious approach, but like an encouraged, optimistic, cautious approach with you, Darvish, right? Fair to say? Yes. I don't know if I'd be particularly motivated to buy or sell him right now. I mean, it doesn't hurt to put him out there and if, or, or to make it offer for him if, you, if you're if you actually feeling like you're buying low or selling high. But uh, I, I'm, I'm not totally confident I would get a satisfactory offer on either end uh, because the overall numbers still aren't very good and because the upside is so high. Like it's, it's ace high. If not, you know, true ace, then like just outside the top 20, I think is the upside he has. Um, but I would... Uh, I would be putting him back in my lineups if I had him out, and I would be pretty happy right now if I stood with him this whole time. Okay, so in terms of Darvish, you know, how would you describe w- what he might be doing in your rankings, Scott? So I would you say he is? Up. What do you think? You like that? Move it out up. I I can see you like that. I love it. I it's, it's, a, it's such a fun song. Who doesn't love this song? So Darvis yeah. is one of four pitchers that I wanted to ask you about that appear to be moving on up, trending in the right direction. Chris Archer, you Darvish, Robbie Ray, and Sonny Gray. A little rhyme there. Uh, Chris Archer, you Darvish, Robbie Ray, and Sonny Gray. When you look at that group of four, yeah, who's who's moving on up? Well, Darvish is. Uh-huh. Uh, I didn't make a, a a super aggressive move up my rankings with him yesterday. Uh, I feel like I had been, I hadn't buried him in my rankings at any point. I was, I was still, you know, wanting to make sure I ranked him high enough that he'd be on my roster. So he's he's just inside the top fifty now. You know, I could be talked into as high as top forty, but. Um, I didn't want to move him ahead of guys like Cole Hamels, Robbie Ray, uh, which putting him in the top 40 would do. Uh, others moving up. Oh, Sonny Gray. Of this group, Sonny Gray made the biggest move for me, for sure, because his biggest issue doesn't seem to be an issue anymore, and that was pitching deep into I mean, he's legitimately pitching deep into yeah, games now. Yeah. I, I don't even think he had to pitch deep into games necessarily. He just had to start throwing more than five at a time. And uh, uh, this start yesterday was his fourth straight of six-plus innings. Uh, and, yeah, he's, he's the ratios look really good and have pretty much all year. So I think he's, I think he's a must-start pitcher now. Okay. Uh, and he is, just out, he is just outside my top 40. I'm 41st right now. The other two, so Darvish and Gray are, are moving up. Uh, Chris Archer and Robbie Ray. Now, Archer yesterday did not really throw his changeup much, but he had been pitching a little bit better lately and throwing his changeup more. He only threw it 6% of the time. It had been closer to 12% of the time in his previous four starts. 
But this mm-hmm. is uh, the first time Chris Archer has had back-to-back quality starts since April. His second and third starts of the season, I believe. So Archer, you know, unfortunately, a lot of his good starts are like six innings, three runs, and the ERA is not that good. But 18 strikeouts and 12 yeah. innings over his last two starts. You know, I, I obviously Archer's been a source of frustration on this podcast and for everyone. But where are you on him right now? I'm encouraged. Like you said, uh, he'd barely gotten a quality start his last two starts. So how encouraged should we be? Well, I know the first start was kind of an issue where uh, maybe they left him in too long and a couple of those runs actually came off the bullpen. They were inherited runners. Oh, but the yeah, bullpen didn't do yeah. Archer any favors. Right. You're right. Um, but, I mean, he's made a conscious change here where – he was trying to expand his arsenal at the start of the season because things went so wrong from last season. And then he just reached a point here before the all-star break where he was like, I got to look at what I did in my best years with the Rays. And that was emphasizing the fastball and the slider, which is one of the best sliders in all the majors. And 95 of his 101 pitches in this start were either the four-seam fastball or the slider. But that's not good. That's what I was uh, like. Like the the storyline before this, because Chris was, well, Chris was writing about this. All right, fine. I won't say it's not good. I'll just say it's different because what it looked like as he was making progress that he was expanding his arsenal and he was throwing his changeup mm-hmm. more. And now in this start, Scott, Archer goes out and basically goes back to being a two-pitch pitcher. And I don't think that's been working for him. It, well, this is what he says he wants to do. And it, it is who he was in his best years. And I know a thing we talked about back then was, man, imagine how good he could be if he if he did have a good third pitch. But, you know... <laughs> Uh, that hasn't been working out for him so well. And I, I think he should aim to be the best pitcher he is as opposed to some idealized version that he may never he may he may never be able to reach. So um, I, I think it's a I think it's a good development. So, uh, all right, so let me let me just say why I don't this is the, our first argument about Chris Archer. So oh, re- yeah. I I would argue though well I maybe it's not that strong of an arm, but I, I would argue that he really has been a two-pitch pitcher, even in his worst times. That the change-up usage increase was was kind of a more recent development, although I'm looking at his game log, and I don't know how true that is. Maybe maybe you're right, that earlier this year he was trying to use his change-up too much. I don't know. I feel like there's been some bad, there's been bad Chris Archer when he's just been a two-star pitcher, and the reason why is I don't think, I don't think his fastball is as good anymore. He doesn't throw as hard. So... uh. All right, well, that's, you know what? We spent enough time talking about Chris Archer. Robbie Ray is the last guy. Interesting what's going on with him. He had one quality start in his first 12 starts. He has seven, six quality starts in his last nine starts. Uh, he's been good lately. His last three starts in particular, I believe, have been very good for Robbie Ray. We know the strikeouts are awesome, but the walks are way down. As the walks have come down for Archer, for, for Ray, sorry, for Ray, as the walks have come down for Ray, the home runs have gone up. He's given up 14 home runs in his last nine starts. Those are his six quality starts. Um, so, yeah, Baltimore and at Miami next week. So he could continue a nice little stretch here. What do you think right now about Robbie Ray? Is he moving on up? Well, as I said after his last start, he's gotten his, in this recent stretch, he's gotten his BV per nine down below four, which still isn't very good, but it's a, it's a big improvement for him and maybe enough to make him uh, fantasy asset again. I mean, if it makes him just efficient enough to go six innings with consistency with his strikeout rate, that's going to be a big step in and of itself. I think the upside is limited. 
cup heading into last year, we were talking about him as a potential ace, and I think that's unrealistic. But can he be more or less a must-start option? I think he can, and I think the way he's trending recently is uh, ha- has me thinking of him that way now. Yeah. Okay. That's Robbie Ray. Good stuff and two good matchups next week. Scott, we have a lot to get to today, so I'm going to give you two more standouts, and I just want your quick thoughts on them. Before I get to that, we have two sponsors on today's show. We have SeatGeek. If you want to save 10 bucks on your first SeatGeek purchase, and this is to go to games, concerts, comedy, whatever. I think I'm going to go to a Yankees game pretty soon. First place I'm going to look is SeatGeek. I'm going to buy those tickets. But if you want 10 bucks off, use the promo code FANTASY on SeatGeek. Promo code is FANTASY. And Lightstream is our other sponsor. You can get a credit card consolidation loan at lightstream.com slash strike. Really low rates, lightstream.com slash strike. Check it out. Check out CBS Sports HQ. We are on HQ 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Sundays talking fantasy baseball. But if you want sports coverage of all the major events and even the less major events, you want baseball highlights and analysis, uh, check out HQ. Download the CBS Sports app. It's all free. This is a 24-7 streaming service. Um, and you can watch it in your living room or you know wherever you watch your, your Roku, your Amazon Fire, your Apple TV, whatever it is. And finally, uh, the golf podcast, the First Cut podcast. It's our golf show. Uh, big week for the golf show. The fourth and final golf majors here. The First Cut podcast is set to break it down. The Open Championship all week long with Kyle Porter, Mark Immelman, and Chip Patterson. Subscribe to the First Cut podcast. Josh Donaldson is one of my standouts, Scott. Uh, he homered yesterday. Before yesterday, um, in his 30 games prior to yesterday, he was a top 15 hitter. He was 8th in points and 15th in roto with a 282 batting average, 13 home runs, good plate t- discipline, 1071 OPS. And we had been saying before this hot streak that he was hitting the ball really hard. So if anything that I take away from Donaldson, it's that hard contact rate is possibly my favorite advanced stat when trying to predict future outcomes. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about that? Uh, I think it's, I think it's important. I mean, if we're looking at a percentage like that, I prefer uh ground ball rate and how low it is, you know, really all three of them line drive rate, ground ball rate, uh, fly ball rate because those are a good indicator of both power production and batting average potential. But, I mean, if we want to be more precise, you know, I think XWOBA and, to a lesser extent, XBA, sum it up pretty well, which is why I've been citing them so frequently this season. Uh, and I, I will point out that even with this recent binge for Donaldson, he hit he's his woba is less than his ex woba like it, the way he's batting the ball still suggests that there's more ground to make up so that's very encouraging i he was a guy who i moved up a lot in my uh in my roto trade chart the top 250 for roto which is going to be published today okay um but since it's since it's uh, a little easier to put it in context in, a, in like a points league, his head-to-head points per game now are higher than some notable players like Javier Baez and Yohan Moncada. Uh, well, that's a play uh, discipline thing. But he, I, he probably has just been straight yeah, up better sure. than them. He's, been, he's having a good year. Uh, 22 home runs, 
21 doubles in 93 games, but got off to a terrible start. Now he's red hot. Daniel Ponce de Leon is 53% owned. Now, I personally am not going to drop him. Uh, he gave up eight hits in three and two-thirds, and seven of them were singles. So it was a bad start. I want to see one more. He's a two-star pitcher next week for now. There's a lot of rumors that the Cardinals could acquire a starting pitcher. If you want to drop him, I totally understand. He was the most added player in fantasy. I'm going to hang on to Daniel Ponce de Leon. I want to see one more start. His next start will be at Pittsburgh, the same team that just clobbered him yesterday. Um, I want to ask you about some breakout stars. We will talk about Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Ramon Laureano. Are they true stars? Are we seeing something special here or just an extended hot streak? That's coming up next on Fantasy Baseball Today. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Since being recalled on May 24th, Lourdes Gurriel is the number eight hitter in points leagues and number four in Roto. May 24th, he's batting 324 with 17 home runs. You go back a little before that, Ramon Laureano got hot on May 19th. Since then, he's the number 14 hitter in points leagues, number seven in Roto. Both these guys are better in, in Roto than points. Their plate discipline is not so good. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Ramon Laureano. But Laureano in his last 49 games is batting 315 with 14 home runs at nine steals. Scott, when you look at Gurriel Jr. and Laureano, Laureano still just 78% owned, by the way, still might be available in your leagues. Uh, do you think we're seeing legit breakouts or just extended hot streaks? I think there are enough changes in Guriel's Guriel's uh, batted ball tendencies that I, I I'd be most comfortable saying legit breakout for him. Now, obviously, he's not this good, but is he a power hitter? Yes. Is he a good enough power hitter to stay in your lineup all year? Uh, I think there's a very good chance of that, and there may be for Loriano as well. But I I feel you know while. Guriel isn't this good. Loriano during his hot streak isn't that good either. He's probably as good as his season long numbers, which still put him in the range of, okay, this guy probably needs to be starting in all formats. But, uh, you know, he understand Loriano is at his hottest right now and is going to cool off at some point. Would you rather have Loriano or David Dahl? Dahl. Would you rather have Loriano or Justin Upton? Upton. All right. Loriano or Lorenzo Cain? Uh, you're in the right range there. I don't want to contradict my rankings, but I would lean Loriano right now, I think. Okay. Would you rather have Guriel or 
Eduardo Escobar, who double-donged. Eduardo Escobar. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right, Scott. Uh, how about one more? Lourdes Goriel or Dansby Swanson? Oh, man. Uh, I think I think Goriel. <laughs> we almost got a Heath sigh out of you. But that that was a tough one, I guess. You're asking, you're asking tough questions. That's what I do. Uh, I'm most likely to start Guriel. Uh, does he have second base eligibility, Guriel? I can't remember. I think so. Uh, I I think I'm most likely to be starting him in the outfield, but you know, second base is a possibility as well. Shortstop is less likely, but it's an option. I mean, quadruple eligibility. That's obviously a rare and valuable thing. If he, in fact, has it, yes. Uh, so, yeah, uh, okay. All right, news and notes for you. Adalberto Mondesi's on the IL with a shoulder subluxation. There's no timetable for his return, which is never a good thing, Scott. You think he'll miss more than a month, Adalberto Mondesi? Uh, I would guess not the way they're talking about it. Um, it's going to be reevaluated in seven days. Not that that means he'll be better in seven days, but... It doesn't sound like a severe case, so I'm hopeful he's not, but it's certainly possible. Nick Senzel left with a hamstring injury, but he downplayed it, thinks he might be able to play today. Mike Trout sat again, but he thinks he could play today. Aroldis Chapman denied a report that he will opt out of his contract after this season. We'll see what happens. Hector Neris has suspended three games, and uh, Noe Ramirez, I don't know if I said that right. No way did I say that right, I think. Uh, he suspended three games. Both of these relief pitchers threw at batters because they're jerks. So, no, they're not jerks, but they shouldn't have done that, and they got suspended. Rogelio Armenteros is going to start for Houston on Sunday. Any interest? Less interested than I was in Framber Valdez, and we see how that turned out. But, I mean, the Astros have a really good track record with pitcher, and Armenteros has an interesting minor league track record. Scouting reports have never been that high on him. But, you know, he was good in bailing out Valdez the other day. And I will will at least be interested in seeing how this turns out for him. I'm not rushing to add him in all but very deep league, though. David Dahl, Matt Chapman, Kenley Jansen, and Gene Segura are all day-to-day. So is Jonathan Scope, who has a mild abdominal strain. Max Scherzer could start on Sunday. Two Red Sox are going out on rehab assignments. Nate Evaldi today and Mitch Moreland tomorrow. Uh, Gerard Dyson left with a hamstring cramp. He's day-to-day. Jordan Alvarez is bothered by a knee injury right now. He's been a little cold, and he's been dealing with his knee injury, so that's just something to keep in mind. Rysel Iglesias is on paternity leave, and Eloy Jimenez is on the IL with an ulnar nerve contusion. And the Yankees acquired Terrence Gore, who will maybe not surface until September, but he will probably be on their postseason roster so he can pinch run and steal bases. Uh Baseball stuff. There's a category called baseball stuff. I don't know what else is on the show, but this is baseball stuff. Yeah. Ryan, we can have that aside. Right? Yeah. Uh, we might as well spend some time on baseball. Ryan McMahon is 41% owned. And you just need to know that he is slashing 304, 372, 507 at home. And he's batting 211 with a 333 slugging it on the road. They're on the road all next week. So if you own Ryan McMahon, you know what to do with him. Whit Merrifield is batting 410 during a 15-game hitting streak. Pete Alonzo is obviously in a home run derby-related slump. He was 1-for-17 going into yesterday's game, and then he hit a 474-foot home run, so he's back in the derby mode. Maybe he'll get hot. 
Rafael Devers is having an amazing season, but you should know he has made 15 errors. Yikes. And who has the longest winning streak in baseball? And who is the second longest? Why, let's go to the Bay Area, Scott. The A's are on a six-game winning streak. The Giants are on a five-game winning streak. The Giants, Scott White, are two and a half games out of the second wild card spot. Yeah, that kind of shows you, uh, I mean, how, how tight things are uh, when you have two wild card spots. And, and really, the Marlins are definitively out of it. The Mets are getting pretty close, I think. I think the team with the third worst record is the Reds in the NL, and yet they have a positive run differential. So I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how many sellers there are going to be in the NL. Really, that'll be that'll be interesting to see because we're all, we're less than two weeks away from the trade deadline, and it's it's the trade deadline this year. Right. No. Uh, August. You got to commit to being in or out mm-hmm. on July 31st. So that's that's gonna be that's gonna be fun. And by the way. Uh, the Indians are now only four games back of the Twins. Yeah. And the team that leads the National League wildcard race is the Nationals, who I think in May people were talking about, should the Nationals trade Max Scherzer? Yeah. Like, I, I feel like every year people forget how long baseball season is. And, uh, I mean, you could have looked at specifically the pitching talent on both of those clubs and, and figured, you know what? They're they're probably going to they're probably going to navigate the slog that is baseball season pretty well. And the A's are only four and a half back of the Astros now. The A's are playing great baseball, eight and two in yep. their last ten, six in a row. I think they're like thirteen and two in their last something crazy. They're they're on fire. Uh, all right, here's a category. Here's a segment called Yes Way, Jose. What do you think, Scott? Yes. Sure. Sure. Right. Why not? Jose Altuve and Jose Ramirez. So Altuve is really not having a good season. He stole a base yesterday. In his last five games, he is batting 458 with a home run, a steal, and three doubles. One walk to seven strikeouts. That's his last five games. The game before that, he went one for five, but he homered. Uh, he is having a power increase this year. Career-high ISO, tied for a career-high. Not surprising. But only three steals in 62 games. But Altuve, last five games, 458 batting average. Ramirez... Last 18 games, he's batting 353 with three home runs, three steals. 18 games, he scored 17 runs. He's driven in 12, six walks to seven strikeouts, seven doubles. I, you know, I'm a little worried about the home runs because two of them came in one game, but he has doubled in four straight games. At the very least, Jose Ramirez is looking right now like a points league beast with amazing plate discipline and a ton of doubles like two years ago. But, yeah, are you, mm-hmm. are you encouraged by both Jose's, Altuve and Ramirez? Yeah, I'm encouraged. And, like, you look at Jose Ramirez, I take it back a little further. I take it back uh, 25 games. He's batting 316 with a 928 OPS, four home runs in less than 100 at-bats, four steals. You know, certainly if you translate that out over a full season, you're talking about uh, pretty close to a first-round caliber player, I would think. But this is his hottest stretch of the season, and is it fair to evaluate him on that? I mean, the BABIP is 307 during that time, which is what we would normally think of as sustainable. Just like I was slow to, just like I wasn't quick to rush to judgment when he fell off a cliff. I'm not, I'm not totally sure he's back, but it's encouraging. 
obviously you've needed to hold on to him this time, all this time. And, um, it's encouraging. That's as far as I'll go with it. Altuve though. I mean, the fact that he's, he's outside of, in, in this roto trade chart I did yesterday, he's right around 50th for me overall, uh, which may be foolish. I mean, he could just decide to start running again someday. That's often how it works with stolen bases, honestly. But, uh, but yeah, I'm not counting on them. Now, maybe the fact that there's more power uh, once his batting average normalizes, and I think the batting average will normalize, is maybe starting to. Will that be enough to overcome the lack of homers? Maybe. But, um, you know, he's been talking all year like the knee isn't 100% still, and I just, I just think there's a lot of things to worry about with Jose Altuve. Wow, okay. Would you rather have Xander Bogarts or Jose Altuve? I know they play different positions, but... Bogarts. Bogarts. Bogarts, yeah. He's, uh, I think he's in my top 20 in this last one. I moved him I moved him ahead of Trevor's, Trey Turner and Trevor Story and Francisco Lindor, which I feel like the difference from the, between them was pretty super, superficial anyway. But I went ahead and moved Bogarts to the top of that group. Bogarts. That's what he's been. The so silent superstar. We never talk about him, and yeah. he's he's just awesome. He has like a 940-ish OPS or something. Um, all right, Scott, when we come back, we'll talk about Clevenger. We'll talk about uh, Paddock. We'll talk about Keuchel, Homer Bailey, Danny Duffy. Dan- I like Danny Duffy. We got screwed on Danny Duffy in that start last week. I'm telling you, he was going to have another good start. Uh, We have some really fun emails and an interesting stat about D. Gordon and prospect talk. That's coming up next on Fantasy Baseball Today. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Our email address is fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Here's email of the day number one. It's from Jonathan. Guys, I'm a regular listener. I caught a home run at the Indians game with my wife. We had free tickets, and it was after a couple of deflections, but I still got it, the Nick Castellanos home run. How rare is it to catch a home run? Would you be excited about it? I was beyond excited. I mean, I don't have odds for you, but it's it's pretty rare. I mean, how many home runs get hit in a game? 15. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, obviously it's uh, – you know, you have to be sitting in the right section to have a chance at it. Even would so you be excited, I, Scott? I would be so yeah, be excited. excited. I, you, yeah, Scott. You remember when? Remember when I met Bill Clinton? I do. You remember that? Okay. How could I forget? I just wanted to bring that up again. No, I would be almost as excited to catch a home run as I would to meet Bill Clinton. Now, if I okay, ten on Clinton on the Clinton no meter. Like meeting Clinton was a ten. Catching a home run would be about an eight and a half. Catching a foul ball uh-huh. would still be like at least a six. 
I mean, yeah, it would, it would, it wouldn't excite me as much as it probably would have uh, 20, 25 years ago, but it, it would still excite me more so than a foul ball. Um, no, that's what I'm saying. Probably a foul ball would be. I mean, I haven't caught either. I've caught foul I, balls at a college game when there was like 30 yeah, people there. I think I had to run down and, and get it. <laughs> okay, email of the day number yeah. two is from Jason. My question is about a former player. If Bo Jackson had went strictly baseball and never got the hip injury, what do you think he would have been as a player and as a fantasy baseball player? Could you compare Bo Jackson to a modern player? Hmm. Oh, that's... Hmm. I mean, he... he the little bit he played, he had, he had a horrid plate discipline, which, uh, I mean, maybe if he had focused on it more, baseball through his life, it would have been better. I think there's a reasonable chance of that, certainly athletically. Uh, he gets, you know, Yasiel Puig gets compared to Bo Jackson. Um, right. And really, Bo Jackson, I think, had only one year where he was super productive. Uh, I don't know if it was quite a 30-30 season. But he definitely had 30 home runs. He had two year. He had a 32-26 season in 135 games, and he had a 28-15 season in 111 games. That was an eight. He also had a 25-27 season. So He's he had a three-year run from 88 to 90 when he was certainly from a fantasy perspective with that power-speed combo good. However. You know, the OPSs were 758, 805, 866. So. Yeah, but that's uh, probably good back. Like, 805 OPS was probably pretty good. Well, yeah. That yeah was you a, know what? The those... 866, the OPS plus was 142, which is definitely high. Yeah, 124 um, OPS was okay. 805. Yeah. He's a pretty good player. So preparing this... Yeah, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Uh, the war, the highest war he had was 3.5, but that was in 111 games. Not bad. Yeah. Uh... Man, I'm trying to think of a comparable. I think Puig, there are so few that steal bases. Puig and Baez that, uh, jump out to me. Bad plate discipline and home runs and steals. Yeah, yeah. I think I think maybe Baez might be on the high side based on these numbers, but uh, you know, we're we're assuming he would have played baseball, gotten an earlier start on baseball, devoted more attention to it, and that might have been that might have brought him to Baez level. That's I think that's pretty good. All right, tweet of the day comes from Frank Stample. Remember him? He's been on our show. He was on HQ. Uh, I noticed D. Gordon only had 16 stolen bases this season, so I looked into his StatCast sprint speed, and here are D. Gordon's sprint speed ranks the past four seasons. 12th, 18th, 53rd, and 93rd. I, he says, I guess that's your answer. Uh, looks like D. Gordon is losing a step. So the, I put D. Gordon on the worryometer yesterday. I think Heath and Chris, I got to tell you, they're not probably going to listen. They did a terrible job on the Warrior yesterday. They misrepresented my intentions, and I was very upset with them. And I'm going to tell them. Maybe I'm not, not going to tell them. Maybe I'll just let this hang out there. You can tweet them. Uh, I put Gordon on the Warrior because how could you not be worried? He's not running. That's the only, like There are a lot of people that have D. Oh, Gordon yeah. on their team. He's supposed to carry them in steals. He's batting ninth. Yeah. He doesn't get the plate appearances, as Chris mentioned. If he's 93rd in sprint speed, I'm quite worried about D. Gordon. I own him in a 12-team Roto League with the extra middle infield spot, two extra outfield spots. I'm not starting him. Wow. Uh, it's a pretty good team, but I'm, I'm not starting. Like, the, the stolen bases haven't been consistent enough, and there's nothing else he does. So why would I? Uh, you know, he is 16 for 18 on stolen bases this year. He didn't have a very good success rate last year, but this year is, is I mean, that's obviously good. 
but he may be having to be so selective because he is slower that um you know he happens to be making good decisions but yeah it's not uh it's not translating to much fantasy production all right scott i want uh five prospects that we might see soon who do you got Well, my five to stash in the latest prospects report, uh, the two that have been there before are Kyle Tucker and Luis Arias, and yeah, I, I think it could be any day for either of them. Uh, you know, it doesn't help that like Ray is about to come back for the Astros, and Yuli Gurriel has broken out. So, you know, even though Tucker's been getting some time at first base, I don't know that there's a clear path for him. But the the Astros could make one whenever they wanted. He's certainly ready. Uh, there's been some turnover since the last time we talked about this. Uh, Jesus Luzardo getting hurt. Obviously, guys like McKay getting called up. Keston Hura coming back. So my three, my next three in terms of how badly I want to stash them are Bo Bichette of the Blue Jays, Luis Robert of the White Sox, um, and Mitch Keller of the Pirates, who, of course, we've seen before. I will say, though, that there is no reason to believe necessarily that Bichette or Robert are going to get called up at all this year, just based on the way those two organizations handled Vladimir Guerrero and Eloy Jimenez last year when for months it looked like there was nothing more they could accomplish in the minors, and yet they kept them down all season. I don't know why their approach would change for Bichette and Robert this year, but if it does... Like those are the potential standings reshapers there. Like I think just because of the potential impact they could have in your league, they're worth stashing over somebody who's a little more certain of being called up like an Asan Diaz of the Marlins who uh, looks like their second baseman of the future, but you know, isn't quite that same caliber of player. Okay. So, Tucker, Arias, Bichette. Who are the standings changers? Bichette it? and Luis Robert. Oh, okay. And then Mitch Keller was the guy who rounded out the list, and he's he's doing some impressive things at AAA. I don't should have plenty of innings left, so I suspect the Pirates will, having already reached down and grabbed him once, that was a weird thing to say. Um, they'll do it again. <laughs> Uh, we just got an email from Dave, an interesting email about the Tampa Bay Rays rotation and what they could do. Uh, I've been reading it while Scott was talking about prospects. Thought it would be fantasy relevant. And um, big takeaway is that McKay's been pitching. He has been pitching every five days, been pitching every six days or so. So they could they could use McKay as a reliever. This is just speculation um, from DRaysBay.com. But they could use him a little bit. Uh, as a reliever and back in the rotation, kind of worth noting here. We don't know what will happen with McKay, but he's pitching this weekend, and uh, it, it looks like he's going to be a part of this team. But to what degree, we're not sure. All right, double dongs from yesterday. Trey Mancini. Give me a quick thought on all these guys. Let's start with Mancini. He had batted 174 with one home run, six walks, 22 strikeouts. was ice cold before two home runs yesterday. He was ice cold, but I've mostly bought into what he's doing this year. Uh, and I hadn't really removed him from the lineup anywhere. X Woba and Woba matchup. I I think he's I think he's legitimately this much of a power hitter and uh the batting ever should be solid. 
Eduardo Escobar, the guy that we all seem to think was the one first half like incredible All Star that is probably a sell high candidate. He hit two home runs yesterday and five RBIs in a 19-4 win. Eduardo Escobar. Yeah, I've moved him up my rankings. I'm still skeptical that he can sustain this pace, but you know, having him behind guys like Kevin Biggio was feeling pretty silly. So he's he's more in a range you'd expect him to be, but still lower than his actual production to date has been. Eduardo Escobar. Okay, next, Danny Santana, 41% owned, eligible at first, second, shortstop, and outfield, and working out a little bit at third base. Uh, Danny Santana, 41% owned. I don't expect to see him at third base much, but they, they got to keep this guy in the lineup. He's been so good. He has a 922 OPS, Scott. And he started, I believe, five of six for them. So, you know, the fact Willie Calhoun got sent down helps a little, although Calhoun got sent down because Hunter Pence came off the IL. I don't think with regular bats, Danny Santana would be able to sustain this. But, um, you know, in in deeper leagues where you need another versatile guy, uh, it, it doesn't hurt to pick him up and seeing how long he can ride it out. Jerickson Profar double dong yesterday. He is 59% owned, and he's having a bad year. But he has three home runs in his last two games. That was after losing his job to Franklin Barreto, but Barreto's been terrible. Did this light a fire yeah, under Yeah, his last Profar? two starts. Yeah, last Profar two has starts. three home runs. And maybe right. it lit a fire under him. Right. I don't know. I mean, there were reasons to wonder about, uh, you know, how, how he didn't hit the ball very hard last year for having a good year. And so there were plenty of far skeptics coming in, especially with the venue change. I don't think they've been terribly surprised with the way he's performed this season. But at the same time, uh, he's a guy who doesn't strike out much and had the year he had last year. So it's it's something to keep an eye on, even though I'm not hurrying to pick him up again. Teoscar Hernandez has three home runs in his last two games, but he is still having a bad year, batting 207, slugging 396. Teoscar Hernandez. Yeah, that's... I have him in an AL only league. <laughs> about as far as I can go with that. And Mark Canna is having a good season. He has a 944 OPS. He has played, Mark Canna for the A's, he has played just about every day since, well, I think every day since Piscotty has gone on the IL. Maybe he sat once. Um, but even a few games before that, he was starting to play every day. For some reason, Canna's been much, much better at home than on the road. But... Yeah, I mean, he's having a career, and he has a 15.2% walk rate, which is awesome, and it was K rate under 20% for the first time. I can't believe... I mean, for a guy to have a 944 OPS with a 31% hard contact rate, that's hard to believe. That's pretty low. But what do you think about Canna? Is he under-owned at 5%? Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, if, if there's a chance this playing time continues, I don't think he's this good. But he's good enough to be more owned than that, certainly. Uh, I, I think even in some five outfielder leagues, like a 15-team five outfielder league, you know, it, it's probably to the point that he should be owned. And that's, you know, that's certainly more than the lowest 5% of CBS yeah. leagues. It might be the lowest 40% of CBS leagues. Yeah, Mark Canna, 5% owned. Keep an eye on him. All right, let's see how we're going to navigate through the rest of this show here. Uh, I think we can pull it off. All right, I got a, a segment called, you know who's interesting? Scott, you know who's interesting? Who's interesting, Adam? You're interesting. You met Bill Clinton, I, did, I heard. Bill is very interesting. Uh, Anthony Rizzo is interesting. 
Anthony Rizzo is the number seven first baseman in points, number nine in Roto. He's batting 285, 394 on base, 525 slugging. I mean, everything looks good. He has not homered since June 15th. It's been more than a month since Anthony Rizzo has homered. And to, to have, what is that, a 929 uh, OP, or 919 OPS and not even be a top five first baseman is amazing. Seventh in points, ninth in roto. Um, every time I look at the box score, it's like Chris Bryant's homering, Baez homer, something. Anthony Rizzo never homer. It's been a month. Uh, he's interesting. He's interesting, Scott. Yeah, I mean, I don't, in a way, I think that's uh, a credit to him that he's still that high despite not having homered in a month. Um, I mean, great plate discipline. And you know he's going to finish with 30 to 35 home runs. I mean, he's at 19 now, so that's that's going to happen. Hmm. I I struggled with him doing the trade chart yesterday. I, he's better in points leagues, and I was doing a roto trade chart yesterday. Uh, Josh Bell is the first baseman I ranked directly below him. He's not off to a good start in the second half. Home run derby. Uh, I, I went ahead and kept Rizzo ahead, but, I mean, Bell's numbers are better so far, certainly. A lot better. Now Rizzo, Gallo, Rizzo Gallo is right in that range uh-huh. too. I think I'd, I'd have Rizzo over Gallo, but that was another one I struggled with. I wonder if if we've got a buy low opportunity here for Rizzo because his his hard contact rate is a career high. His hard contact rate has basically been the exact same thing every single year that he's been on the Cubs from 2012 to 2018 between 31.6 and 34.4. This year it's 40.3. Now everybody's hard contact rate is up or you know, league wide it's up. So but it's a nice jump. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like I, I want to say buy low just because I don't know that anybody's excited about Anthony Rizzo. Like, I could see you give up Josh Bell and Chris Paddock. You get Anthony Rizzo and Mike Clevenger. Some type of trade like that where you're upgrading at starting pitcher. It seems like you're downgrading at first base, but you might not really be downgrading that much, you know? Yeah, I like that. I think that makes sense. Uh, I think Thank you. I, I would agree that Bell and Rizzo are closer than the numbers show and that Clevenger is a big step up from Paddock, especially when you take into account the innings situation for Paddock. All right. You know who has, you know, who's interesting, Scott? Who? Starling Marte. Starling Marte uh-huh. is a top 20 outfielder. I'll look up specifically where he is. I didn't check after yesterday's game. But he only has 13 steals, 16 home runs. We know what he is now in terms of batting average. This is three straight seasons between 275 and 277. So that's what I would think. But, like, the strikeouts are down. The ISO's up. He's just not running as much as he normally does. Like, he's not going to be a 40-steal guy, that's for sure. But he's still having – Marte's mm-hmm. still having a very productive year. He is having a very productive year, and while we could criticize the steals for him, um, I mean, he's he's still one of the best in the majors at providing that. There are three outfielders right now with 20 or more steals. One of them is completely useless, Gerard Dyson. Um, and then you have, looks like, Okay, going down to 13, which is where Marte's at. You got Kiermaier at 17, Acuna at 17, D. Gordon at 16, pretty much useless. Billy Hamilton at 16, pretty much useless. Whit Merrifield at 15, Victor Robles at 15. Then you get to the 13s, like Starling Marte. So it's not like 
it's not like he's not helping you there. But what I found most interesting about Starling Marte is that in head-to-head points leagues, which isn't even his format, yeah. he has outperformed both Aaron Judge, J.D. Martinez, Michael Brantley, Reese Hoskins in points per game. So, I mean, what he's doing is certainly valuable enough. How is that possible? Like, I, I, I just don't understand it, how Starling Marte is a top 15 outfielder in both points and roto with a 275 batting average, 16 home runs, 13 steals. It's not like he's a, a standout in runs. He has 59 runs. It's good. It's not great. Like, it's just, I know it's, I know it's happening. I'm not disputing what you said. I just can't figure out how Starling Marte is ranking this high in fantasy. How is he better than J.D. Martinez on points per game? How is he better than Aaron Judge? Aaron Judge has a 400-something on base percentage. Starling Marte has a 316 OBP. You know, it's just, I don't mm-hmm. get it. Yeah, I, I agree. I was surprised to see it. Okay, well, I think um, our website must be broken. That's the only thing I can... Well, I mean, no. you do got to remember um, he, he is about 10 games behind the highest games played, guys. So that has an impact on some of those numbers that don't look as high. You know, I was given the per-game stat. But I guess you're saying he's 15th just in terms yeah. of total points. 15th in total points yeah. at outfield. He's interesting. That's why he's in the you-know-who's-interesting segment. All right, rotation time, Scott. Chris Paddock, like I want to say, sell high on Chris Paddock, but like everybody knows what's going to happen with Chris Paddock. So what do you do? I'm not sure everybody knows. Um, you know, I know. Maybe, maybe everybody who's paying close attention in late mid to late ju- July. Yeah, certainly we know. Do, well, uh, do we? I mean, do I think we know you could try for a fact that he's going to be shut down because I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. They they're last in the NL West. So, like. How, when do you think I mean, he, he throws his last pitch? Well, I'd have to pull up the numbers and see exactly how far ahead he is. But um, you know, the fact he's never thrown even 100 innings in a minor league season. Um, he's thrown 90 he's right so at, far. He's right, he's right at where he was last year, which is his first year back from Tommy John surgery in a career high, 90 innings. Yeah. <laughs> so I would guess... I mean, it might be a month from now. It just depends on how much they limit him along the way. Well, he hasn't thrown more than 97 pitches in a start, sure. but he, his whip uh, is... Maybe he'll follow an opener. I don't know. His, but, yeah. you know, it, it could just be that they... Uh, you know, the fact that they haven't called Luis Arias up, even with Ian Kinsler and Greg Garcia doing nothing for them at second base, I think suggests... They're not really considering themselves contenders, mm-hmm. uh, in which case, I, you know, that makes it easier to shut down Paddock. So, I, I, you know, he might have a month. Long, long answer, shortened, he might have a month. John Lester or Chris Paddock? Paddock. Okay. I'd rather have the impact over a shorter period of time. Uh, you can tell, by the way, we've spoken about Mike Clevenger. We are quite high on Mike Clevenger. 23 swinging strikes yesterday. He was on a pitch count of 100, which is what he threw. That's probably the last time he's on a pitch count. Dallas Keuchel, rough start for him. It was going pretty well before the sixth inning, and then the Brewers got to him. He said he didn't have fastball command. Uh, do you have anything interesting to say about Keuchel, who will go from being at Milwaukee this week to Kansas City at home next week? Not really. Not really. I, I think just the fact that when he's good, he goes seven innings for with a great offense backing him. I, I think that counts for a lot. 
Uh, yeah, especially in points, but really in any any format, it's hard for starting pitchers to get wins. But he's in a good position for them. Chris Paddock or Dallas Keuchel? Paddock. John Lester or Dallas Keuchel? <laughs> Keuchel. Okay. Those are three distinct tiers. I feel like though. Okay. Uh, Dallas Keuchel's in a tier of his own. He's he he is like <laughs> the opposite of Robbie Ray, right? Could could any two pitchers be more opposite? One goes deep in into games. Of one does results. Uh, yeah. I mean, maybe, uh, maybe Kyle Hendricks. I don't, you know, basically along the same lines. Yeah, in terms of innings, strikeouts, and then whip. Whip is the question for Keuchel. You know, is he going to be a low whip guy like you, like he was at his best? I'm skeptical. Uh, all right. Anyway, Eduardo Eduardo Rodriguez had a good start. Pretty good against the Blue Jays. He was 78% started. Do you more or less just start Eduardo Rodriguez? No, I wouldn't go that far. I, I think based on his peripherals, that's where we, he should ultimately wind up. But it's been such a winding path that um, I, I play the matchups with him. And how about John Gray? A bad start at home against the hot, hottest team in the National League, the San Francisco Giants. 11 hits and 6 runs and 5 and a third. He still has a better ERA at home than on the road this season. John Gray has never really been affected by Coors Field. Uh, so how would you rank Keiko, Eduardo Rodriguez, and John Gray? I would rank them Keiko, Gray, Rodriguez. I'm, I feel like Gray had pretty much graduated to the must-start range. Now maybe we're having to rethink that. I don't think we should necessarily, but obviously it was disappointing yesterday. You want to know how I'd rank them? How would you rank them? Gray, Rodriguez, Duffy, Daniel Norris, <laughs> Tommy Malone, oh, Wade LeBlanc, no. No. Dallas Keiko. No, not <laughs> fringy starting pitchers. Any interest in these guys? Martin Perez, Chase Anderson, Homer Bailey, Danny Duffy, and Trevor Richards. Not really, though. Apparently, you want to make a case for Duffy. Not so next week. It. No, I, Danny Duffy has been pretty good when he's faced easy matchups. That's it. Two starts ago, he got he got lit up by the Tigers, I believe, but he was cruising, and then he hurt his hand, and he pitched through it, and it was awful. Um, if you just look at his mm. game log, he's been a, the kind of guy that you would stream with good matchups. He has two starts next week. They are at Atlanta and home against Cleveland. I don't trust Danny Duffy, but there could come a time where yep. I do trust Danny Duffy. If he has Detroit... Um, if he has the White Sox or Detroit, I don't think he's going to face the Royals this year. Uh, then maybe I, I think definitely. all I think all of these pitchers fall into that same category where you you could stream them with good matchups, but you're holding your breath when they do. I mean, they can they can they're not very good, but they can look good at times. So you know that that makes them not entirely useless. And let me ask you about Pablo Sandoval. He has started five. <laughs> he has started five straight games, and Longoria is on the IL, and he's four percent owned. What do you think? He's he's been super cold, but for the year, he's got a he's having a pretty good year. It's weird, Sandoval. Yeah. Um, We're ending the show. I, I am on Sandoval. I am wow. unmoved by this. I think. I mean, he's having a good year with good year with the three oh nine OB. Like it's a good year because we thought Sandoval was 
just done and, you know, was a sympathetic roster for, player to roster for the Giants. But so it's good, I guess, from that respect. But I, I don't think there's much for him to offer. All right. There was some more I wanted to talk about. We'll have to save it for tomorrow. There's a relief pitcher that you should pick up that has 22 and, a, and two-thirds consecutive innings without allowing an earned run. I'm sure you know who it is. But if you don't, I'll tell you who it is tomorrow on Fantasy Baseball Today. Thanks for listening, everyone.